Welcome to Salam Nerds Podcast. We do reviews and recaps of your favorite TV shows. We are an inclusive recap show. Yo, 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 it's Salam Nerds. My name is Steve, a.k.a. Watson Ethan. I'm here, my boy, Jazz. We drop live episodes on YouTube on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. All episodes can also be found everywhere podcasts are found. Thank you to all our supporters. Please help us by subscribing and leaving a good review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yo, 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 salam, nerds. It's your boy, Neves, a.k.a. Watch with Neves, and I'm here with my co-host, Jazz, a.k.a. DJ Dust. DJ Dust. DJ Dust. <laughs> like Thanos snap and turn into dust, or yeah, yeah, a little bit, little little MCU reference. But before we get into why uh, I chose Dust, uh, we want to introduce our guest, Suara. Welcome to the show. Salam. Thanks for having me back. Me back on again, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, long. man. Yeah, we love having you back on, man. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. We're like, all right, let's let's get you back on the show. Listen, you have an open invite. All you got to do is say the word and like you are on the show. Like my friend. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Biggest, always, brother. I, love, I always love being on here. We'll kick anybody else off, too. If you want to be <laughs> private and like you don't want anyone else, you want all the spotlight, we will kick them off the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man, I totally love you will. guys. How you, you been? Tell us a little bit about what's going on, man. Let the audience, uh, you know, get into you your know, life. It's funny. Like, I feel like personally, everything's going great in my life. It's just the rest of the world, which is horrible, on fire. Just focusing on, like, Israel's genocide in Gaza every single day. Yeah. Because uh, that's, like, been predominantly on my mind. Uh, how I, and I was just talking about this with y'all despite like the absolute fucking horrors i actually do feel hopeful you know not to like jinx anything you know knock on wood you know pr- give my duas etc i just i really feel like the world is realizing just how horrible the zionist entity is it's like increasingly <clears throat> isolated on the world stage um even though they keep making these horrific advances into Gaza. And they keep threatening the attacks on Rafa. Um, the resilience and strength of the Palestinian people is beyond extraordinary and inspiring. But also, and I was just talking about this with you all, like, I think that the statements coming out from the Israeli government and other officials, my gut reaction is of desperation from them. That they realize, like, oh, they're increasingly backed in a corner of having to make a ceasefire deal sooner rather than later, but they keep trying to put up, puff up their chest and try to say, no, no, we're going to like keep fighting. We're still going to go to Rafa. However, looking at the economy, looking at uh, the sheer amount of pressure, looking at just certain statements, looking at Biden the other day, who's been the most intransigent, transigent saying, wait, quote, need a temporary ceasefire. That shows he's starting to, excuse me that shows he's starting to uh break in his own position and we just got to keep up the pressure here so what we're doing is working and what palestinians say on the ground is keep doing what you're doing so you gotta keep doing what we're doing that's honestly what's been constantly on my mind 
personally, life is going great. Just concerned about Gaza and Palestine every single day and free Palestine. You know? yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you one thing, man. I mean, I know my friend was here earlier. Uh, you know, Neebs and Sora did meet him. But uh, internally, you know, he was connected to the White House. He was the former director of AmeriCorps. Uh, what we're doing now is like we're explaining to Biden straight up like, yo, short of unilaterally recognizing a Palestinian state, you're not going to win. So we're putting a lot of pressure on the inside. Yeah, I I remember I I saw this quote from from a Palestinian guy and he was like, listen, this you want to say the Palestinians are resilient. This is not a test of the Palestinians. They're they're guaranteed to go to heaven. They're martyrs. It's a test for us. We're the ones that are being put to the yep. test. So it's what we do yeah. that matters. So I think about that often. Yeah, Neebs, I've been thinking about that specific point, how we talk about throughout Swanasa cultures, regions, we talk about the concept of martyrdom a lot. Seeing what the Palestinians endure, I really understand the meaning of martyrdom mm -hmm. through watching what they've had to go through. Really? Yeah. For sure, man. Um, and that's why it's so important to to speak up and talk about that. Even if you may lose job opportunities or your TikTok account or whatnot, you know, it's, it's one of those things, um, which kind of leads us to what we originally wanted to talk about, which was uh, Basim Yusuf, who is a comedian and he's an actor. Uh, he's been in the show Upload. I don't know if you've ever seen Upload, but that is a really good show on apple prime uh, not apple prime uh, amazon prime and he's done a few other things and he was doing an interview and they talked about how he may have lost opportunities and one of the opportunities that he thinks he may have lost was superman legacy and it's very interesting how this all went down because he says that he lost this opportunity um uh, of superman legacy he was going to be a villain and then an article in ign came out and it said that he never was fired. He never really had the job. Uh, and they wrote out the entire uh, character, which, which which is true. It happens often. I read the uh, Marvel, the reign of the MCU. This stuff happens all the time. Uh, but from his perspective, you can see why he would think that, you know, uh, the, With time the timing yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, but what got really interesting was the fact that and then you point this out to me and I, and I made a TikTok about it. Um, it was that Grace Randolph a few months ago had a scoop. And I'm not a big fan of hers, but like she is right more often than not. Like even though the whole like back when Miss Marvel was happening and she talked about whole the gin stuff, part of me thinks she was right. And they, they quickly changed it after the backlash. So like she, she did us a solid in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. this specific plot point that's been rumored about Superman legacy for months from Grace Randolph, I think mm -hmm. some others as well, is that there would be a quote unquote conflict in the Middle East, i.e. West Asia, as we're trying to call it more now, that would have had involved Superman and the Justice League trying to quell a conflict between the fictional countries of Bialya and Korak. Right. Which are fictional DC countries. I am. Um, when I first saw that rumor, 
I was praying, please let this not be real. Mm-hmm. The last thing we need is in the Superman movie is for Western heroes to try to solve a conflict in the Middle East. Yeah. yeah. Like, we've had enough of that. And I just, you know, like I, you know, my family is, if the audiences know, my family's Kurdish from uh, northern Iraq. Um, so, you know, we're at very much at the center of like so much of this. And, uh, I, you know, like the way like Western media and some superhero films, I will say like, for example, Iron Man depicting Afghanistan has depicted these sorts of things has been terrible. Um, But then I saw James Gunn respond to someone asking if this was true. And he said, no, it isn't true. So I assumed at the time that because of everything happening in Gaza, that they had decided to scrap that plot. Um, And... I'm glad they did. Now, when I saw Bassem in this interview first, like uh, it was an interview with Dean Obedalia for uh, um, Salon Magazine, I initially didn't register. I didn't even want to think that it was like a Middle Eastern villain that he would be playing because I thought that plot may have been scrapped. So unfortunately, I was willing to believe the worst at first. And the thing is, like, Bassem in that interview said, I want to presume good faith, but also the timing seems so coincidental. But then, you know, the story came out the next day um, in sources given to IGN and uh, other websites. And but the IGN story specifically gave a time frame that perf- really did perfectly align with the writers and actors strike. And, you know, in between all this, like they they did decide to get rid of this plot, but they couldn't tell Bassem because of the actors and writer strike. You know, you're not mm. allowed to do any writing. You're not allowed to, you know, like offer roles, I guess, um, during actor strike, yeah, whatever, you know, like that sort of thing. So I think that the, there was one claim that it wasn't made. It wasn't decision made because of Gaza, but I think it definitely could have been, you know, particularly like, you know, as more and more, there are like pro-Palestine voices, you know, coming out. And I saw one person note that it's actually kind of good that Gunn, James Gunn came in front of the story to assert that no, someone was not fired because they were pro-Palestine. Right. And that would have been unthinkable like a few months ago. So in that sense, like the pendulum really has changed. So that's what I'm grateful for. And on balance, even though I'm sad that Bossom lost out a role, but it, it wasn't for the nefarious, malicious reasons we initially expected. As we're primed to expect, it really was genuinely bad timing. And I would much rather, frankly, I would much rather not have this plot line. Yeah. And for Bossom to play another character, maybe later down the line he will. You know, he and James Gunn are chill. Like, you know, they had a conversation. Right. And this is put to rest. I'm really grateful it has been. So I can confidently say I'm still looking forward to Superman Legacy. I'm looking forward to... You know, everything Bassam Yusuf is doing, he's selling out shows across the country, mm-hmm. super successful. He's still a hot commodity. So I'm like, I'm grateful that this went from presuming the worst to, oh, no, actually, everything's kind of all right here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was it was kind of like a little roller coaster that we were going on because I don't want to see him play this character. And we we already seen this character in Wonder Woman 1984. It, it was terrible and it was racist yep. and it was horrible. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of glad that that didn't happen. Uh, the uh, There are people online that are still mad and saying, oh, he did, he 
he needs to apologize. And I think, listen, if he needs to apologize, it's not to you. It's not to the audience. It's to James Gunn. And considering they both talk to each other privately, they probably both apologize to each other. And James Gunn admitted that there might have been some mishandling and communication uh, on the studio's part. And, you know, it, and for him, he might have jumped to conclusions. So, you know, it's kind of seemed like the whole thing is squashed. And it seems like we could just all move on. Uh, I definitely want to see him in future things. I think he does a great job. He's really great in Upload. Check it out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad this had a bit of a happy ending and not something, you know, super terrible. You often don't see that. It was kind of like really wholesome in a way. And it's like, it seems like, and I was thinking to myself, oh my God, why are we focusing so much on this in the midst of everything going on in Gaza? Um but I also realize that, you know, it's because it's a linchpin of, oh, is someone going to get fired? Is someone going to lose the, their job or opportunities because of being pro-Palestine, which is something yeah. understandably many are afraid of. But thing is, like, we have, like, so many. For example, look at the artist for Ceasefire list. Um, by the way, I don't know if, like, y'all mentioned this on a show before um, or I, I think I had mentioned it to y'all privately. But so there have been two celebrity letters, right? There was the one that came out right in October, the really one-sided, distorting, no hostage left behind letter, which yep. blamed absolutely 100% everything on Hamas, said nothing about Israel's action, signed by a bunch of celebrities. And then you had like about a month or month and a half later, the artist for ceasefire letter, you know, mm -hmm. much better letter, like really <laughs> uh, focused for Palestine and uh, for Palestinian sovereignty signed by a bunch of really good celebrities. And there was even a little a little bit of overlap between those two letters. But as of a few, at least a few weeks ago, that first letter, the super distorting, no hostage left behind letter, that letter is gone. Yeah. It's off the servers. Like that Whoa. goes to show, yeah, you can't find it. That goes to show that, and this is something my fiance and I talked about, which she, she theorized that, a sufficient amount of celebrities want to take their names off that first letter to the mm. point when they were like, no, so it, it's not enough. We can't keep this letter. Up. We can't just keep this letter up anymore. Or it just show that that many people have left it. It's like, That's so it's now talk. So now it's, it's now toxic. They're realizing, Oh, and celeb certain celebrities like Zoe Saldana who had posted about that letter on their social media, they took those posts out. So yeah. now it's, increasingly toxic shift. on yeah a shift yeah to it's toxic to be in support of israel really i mean like you know not necessarily in terms of like the institutions the companies that like employ them but rather like their fans don't want it and it's, yeah like, the public react relations and what israel is doing so like yeah it's it's great to see oh it really is wow that's pretty crazy man i never thought i'd see the day <laughs> That's activism wild. works. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. Speaking of, um, you know, some of the stuff that's happening in the Middle East, um, Dune Two is coming out. What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> Take your time. Uh, <laughs> uh, well. First thing I will do is pitch uh, people should listen to my podcast, The Middle Geeks, and our review of the first Dune movie. <laughs> um, 
you know, if you're going to go watch the second one, you'll realize just how much it's appropriate from Swana and Muslim cultures. And, uh, <laughs> but in this instance of Dune 2, I mean, we got to talk about the Anya Taylor Joy. That's what I wanted to talk about. She, like, this white woman, she, like, had. I don't know if it's a hijab or like another or like chador or like other like type of veil, you know, that Muslim woman wear. And she was just like having as a fashion statement and she's playing some sort of secret character in the movie. Mm -hmm. This movie that like, you know, has a bunch of white people playing. Yeah. um, Playing like a roles that should have swanted people. And it's just because, you know, like, as you know, obviously, you know, we're three Muslim men here, you know, a Muslim woman could like probably speak better on this, but I bet like they'd say the same that like they feel, uh, you know, entitled to our culture and they just won't have us. You know, yeah. there's, there's one Arab actress in this movie, but she's like a background character and just like it's a sad state of affairs. That's really, really sad. And, uh, it's it's one of those things, and and it always reminds me of like um, like black people have been saying this forever. Like they want to be us, but they don't want to be us, right? It's what they say, and we're getting a little taste of that. I mean, it's not compared to what black people have been through and what they deal with, but it's it's a little taste of that, and you kind of see it because this woman is being applauded for her fashion. But if a Muslim woman wears something similar, they will drag her and tell her to take it off like I, and the thing is like i used to hear these stories and i used to think like they're one-offs and then like people i know tell me that these stories happened to him and i'll be like what you someone i know like this actually happened and it's it's wild and i've seen them these people in the comment sections and like her everyone is praising and it's like that's the definition of, pro- of appropriation. Like you're having somebody who's not from that culture wearing this and being praised for it while someone else, you know, gets oppressed because of it. Right. There was a time in France where you could not wear a hijab or a niqab, but you can wear a hoodie and a mask. <laughs> and in fact, you had to wear a mask. It was the law. <laughs> so like by law, you had to wear a mask on your face but you couldn't wear like a niqab because it's literally the same thing. And it just goes to show you how much blatant Islamophobia uh, is happening in the world and what Muslim women have to deal with. Yeah. So it's hard to support this. It's hard just to want to support this movie because like number one, everybody knows how much of Middle Eastern culture is in this movie, goes into this movie. Like the writer literally says it, spells it out. There's nothing you have to interpret it. And then they went out of their way to just cast a bunch of people yeah. to cosplay as brown people. Javier Bardem is the whole ass white man. That yeah. is a whole and ass white man. Like the emperor is called a Padi Shah. It's so blatant. <laughs> it's it's and he's wearing brown face. That's not his skin tone. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Mm. Oh my god. Yeah. But um, also, like, it's like very obvious. Like it's based on Iraq because planet they're on it's called arrakis like <laughs> like you can't really take that away <laughs> i know i know and yeah. and i've heard people say that like oh they didn't want to cast swana actors because then it'd be too obvious and it'd be offensive and i was like 
you can cast them in other roles. <laughs> there, there is you just missed the entire point, people. <laughs> or, or get us to write in your movie, right? Like, just oh, oh, I, I do know that um, Reza Aslan was hired to consult for the first Dune, but also, uh. I have a lot of Christmas of Reza Aslan, and I think, like, personally, it'd be a bit of a sellout. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, you know, like, I, we're going to, thankfully, I have a screening for this movie, so I'm not paying to watch it, <laughs> you know? Um, we will still be reviewing it for our podcast, The Middle Geeks. It's like, and we're doing it because this is such a popular franchise yeah and no one else is talking about it you know other than us here yeah i mean we gotta talk about it yeah we gotta talk about it we gotta like let the um non-muslims non-swanasa peoples know this is really fundamentally problematic you know (laughs) yeah 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 uh, you got a comment here. It says, uh, yeah, even in the Miles Morales movie, they had uh, Malala Windsor who wore the hijab across yeah. spider wrist And that's a good representation because yeah. they gave her some time. They gave her a name, a Muslim name, and it kind of related to what character she's supposed to be. And they made her wear hijab as a spider yeah. person, which is really interesting because technically you don't need a hijab once you have the spider mask on, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, though she can take off her mask and still be in a hijab technically. Mm-hmm. So that is pretty interesting. The The thought that went behind that is a lot better than the thought that goes <laughs> behind some of these other movies. Um, I really love that movie. That movie is dope. I love Spider-Verse. Oh, it's, it's a Spider-Verse is peak. It's peak. So good. So good. But speaking of Spider-Man, there is another show that came out around the same time as Spider-Man and it's called The X-Men. And X-Men 97 is back! Let's go! What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about X-Men 97? Did you see the trailer? Sorry. I have one word. Oh, yeah? Hype. Uncanny. <laughs> Okay, that's it, but yes, hype. Uh okay. Um yeah, I love the X-Men cartoon when I was a kid. Uh yeah, definitely formative, you know, to you know, my love of superheroes. I I'm kind of meh, to be quite honest. I'm sorry. Really? I like I watched the trailer. Uh the animation to me, and this is like really disappointing for me because I know it's from Studio Mirror, and I love Studio Mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, they did uh, Korra, they did uh, some other things for Avatar: Last Airbender, they did um, Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beasts, which is an amazing series on Netflix. Uh, they've been a bu- they've done um, oh Young Justice uh, seasons three and four. Like they're a- an amazing studio. The animation in this, I mean. Obviously, we need to judge it when we see the show. It looked really stilted to me, like more than I think it should be. I mean, I I know the '90s series had that, but that was like at for the um, budgets they had at the time. And I'll just be blunt and say I'm not a fan of Marvel Studios animation. I really don't like the animation What If, for example. which I, I don't like that either. Re- right, yeah, which I think is trying to replicate the live action way too much. It doesn't really use its imagination. Um, 
I don't know. I'm I'm willing to give it a chance. You know, I like these characters, I guess, enough. I will say I've been sort of down on the X-Men as a whole because um, y'all will know this. I'm uh, not a fan of our favorite uh, superhero girl, Kamala Khan, um, being made into an X-Man. <laughs> so maybe I feel a bit bitter about yeah. that, and I would be afraid of her appearing in X-Men 97. Oh, um, wow. I never even thought of that. That is a possible, chance. It yeah. is possible. Oh, it is they're possible. Animate that? Oh, they okay, could. Yeah. Well, well, listen. If she has her, pa- if she has her regular powers, then yeah. like, That's sure, cool. I might be more for that. But I don't know. I like. I've been down on MCU stuff as a whole, so I'm sorry to be the Debbie Downer here. I just like. I know my expectations are measured overall. Sure. I, I don't want to like dampen y'all's hype at all. That's that's fair. I mean, I feel like everybody has different things. You're not one of the. I know you mentioned the animation. You're not one of the people that's like, hey, uh, Rogue's ass is not round enough. This is this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people complaining about the animation because Rogue doesn't have <laughs> the same features that she has, and I'm just like, bro, Stop. this is a cartoon. What are you planning on doing with this image, sir? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Wow, <laughs> this is like, um, it's not like a one-off. It's like hundreds of people, and I'm just like, what is wrong with these dudes? Oh man, but no, but listen, we mentioned uh, Kamala Khan possibly beating it, but did you see the Easter egg that Dust is canon to this? Oh yeah. Uh- <laughs> Oh, dust. Uh, Surya Kadir. Uh, <laughs> I have so many feelings about Listen, this. Listen, say character. what you want about dust. She is officially the first Marvel superhero that's Muslim. I, I think she's the one. Way before Kamala Khan, She's she's been there since, like, I think, yes. 02. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh... <laughs> oh, God. Listen, I just want someone to save uh, Surya Kadir from the Orientalist eight gaze of uh, white men creators <laughs> just, or no, sorry not like white men because grant morrison is uh non-binary they them but uh yeah it was uh it was grant morrison and the evs actually who created her you know so that artist being the one who created her just like oh boy okay that's a whole other podcast listen but, um, i <laughs> say what you want there are some problematic yeah. things about it, but yes. that yes, is a character are. very much so. <laughs> but I think that's a that's a character that can be saved. There are a lot yes. of ways to save this character and make it Get... for the new year and make it amazing. Did you did you all see Sara Al Faji's like yes. uh, redesign? Yeah, like I love that redesign. Like that. It's incredible. Yeah. Like if, yeah. if they if they decide to do something like that and give her a personality, I mean, and she had a good personality. I mean, I think X Men Evolution is a cartoon mm. that she was in. There was a Wait, good she was job. X Men Evolution, really? X Men and Wolverine and the X Men. I think that one. Wolverine and the X Men, probably. Wolverine yeah. and the X Men. I think that's the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Like my problem with this character is like just you know she's meant to be Afghan, but like it's so painfully evident. I wrote about this in this article uh, for io9 I did about Kamala being part of the X-Men. Like the writers did little to no research about like what it actually means to be an Afghan of Afghan um, nationality. And I don't know if she's Pashtun or like another ethnicity. Uh, The thing is they say like, Oh, she, because she's from Afghanistan, she's a fluent speaker of Arabic. 
Arabic is not like the predominant language. It's like maybe something yeah. like three percent of the population. She would be speaking Pashto yeah. or another um Indo-Iranian language. Pashto or like Farsi would be the Pashto or Farsi, yeah. Right. Or Dari, Dari, yeah. Dari. Um so like and the thing is, like, you know, she wears like uh her her um um headdress, she wears her um bodysuit, and the thing is they made it so it was tight on her. Yeah. So she was still like, form, form revealing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is completely not the point of like wearing something like that. And she says as much, the one good thing is like that. She says, I remember that she says like in the comics, like, Oh, I want to wear this because of like my faith, because I want to feel, um, away from the eyes of men, etc. That's good. But other than that, like this is, and even her powers, being able to turn into sand like yeah it's just like what are we doing here with this character but again if muslim and especially afghan creators are able to be involved with her and write about her right hell, if we had like you know even though you know she's not afghan at least she's like you know some from somewhere that shares a border if like iman valani you know wrote uh uh, uh surreya Maybe and also we could change her name. I hate the um, name Dust. Like give her mm-hmm. like so and like I I forget who said it, but someone said like they need to expand her powers beyond simply turning into dust. Like make it more well. Well, here's the thing: overall molecular. It's, it's molecular actually a really great power, and Jazz could tell you because yeah. in uh, anime there is a character called Crocodile in One Piece, and they do so much with this one power. Like you can dehydrate somebody, you can. You know, you can like totally like wither something. There's a lot of things you can do with sand. So mm-hmm. it is a very powerful uh, power. And I feel like, you know, this character in the right hands, in a, as a Muslim hand and an Afghan hand, this could be a great, fantastic character. Like she is not one of the characters where I'm just like, there's no saving her. Like I feel like there is a lot of potential still left in this character. And like we have to realize this character came out like literally after 9-11. Like like it literally came after. So it's not a surprise that it's super problematic, but it's still a character that came out and I think it still has a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then the final thing, well, not the final thing I want to talk about, but uh should we should we talk about Madam Web? <laughs> yes. So Madam Web came out this week to disastrous <laughs> reviews. Terrible. And it's really interesting because like people were watching The Marvels, which is getting its new like leg, because everyone's watching it on Disney Plus and going, realizing it's not that bad. It's actually not as terrible as like the bros made it out to be. Like it has its problems. It's not the greatest. I mean, but Everyone's like, it's the worst movie Marvel has ever made. And I was like, you guys don't know a real, truly bad movie. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me reintroduce you guys to Madam Web. <laughs> and now I was like, yes, the power scaling is accurate. Let's let's figure this out. So you have actually seen Madam yeah. Web. Is it as bad as people are saying it's bad without giving away any spoilers, which I do. I only do, I don't even care to, to spoil the war people at this point. <laughs> so I will tell y'all, Sony did not do critic screenings for this movie. At first, I was confused when I didn't get an email, but then I had it confirmed by my friend Hannah on her Fade to Black podcast 
that Sony straight up did not do any screenings of this movie for Christmas. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yikes. So I bought a ticket because I was reviewing it for another podcast for Hall of Justice with Seth Everett. Y'all should check out that review when it's out. I I love the Venom movies because they're so gloriously terrible <laughs> and just don't take themselves that seriously. And Madam Web, I'm happy to say, has fallen into the same category for me where <laughs> you have this ridiculous, stupid dialogue script. You have these actors that are phoning a lot of it in, but also still having some fun. You have like so many references, but not real references to spider-man i don't know what that means like, <laughs> a reference but like, not a real reference you know, no, like, that's the thing you gotta watch it you gotta <laughs> watch it and we gotta like talk about it it's like just there was one review i think it was in rolling stone that called this the cats of superhero movies and i'm so <laughs> I'm happy in. to confirm that's the case i'm yes. in now <laughs> yes yes jazz it's just like for me, if a movie falls in the so bad it's good category, I'm happy. But I'm also, in terms of making a comparison with the MCU, and part of why I'm currently very exhausted with the MCU is the constant connections it tries to make with other film and TV shows and how self-serious it really is, the, the, a lot of these films really are. And how seriously they want you to take it without, in my opinion, really putting in the work for their characters to have fully resonant and impactful arcs, especially compared to their source material. I mean, while I agree with you that the Marvels is not the worst, you know, superhero movie by any means or anything, I do think, personally, think it failed a lot in that regard. And as someone who cares a lot about these characters i'm like i really want more with something like madam web when i know they're not taking it seriously at all i'm just like yo this is freaking hilarious and i'm just here for that so i i encourage you to watch it go get a ticket and watch it and like let's get a madam web too i'm here for it i'm so wow. here for watch it. it like a comedy got it <laughs> yes exactly Madam Web 2, Electric Boogaloo. Like, I don't know yes. what. It's already made like $49 million. We just need to get it to like 120 or something and like, they'll have made back its budget. You know, so I, like, I, or I heard it only made 6 yeah. million in its opening day, though. I know. I think it made like 49 million so far. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I, I think no. its opening day was Valentine's Day, which uh, right. makes it very difficult because no yeah. one's going to see a spider movie on valentine's day right the opening on valentine's day was very weird <laughs> but then so is this movie you know is there any relevance to valentine's day uh, in this movie no not at all absolutely not that's so weird what a strange movie <laughs> all right um so i there you have it uh madam web maybe so bad it's good <laughs> not mad at that uh and then finally the last thing i want to talk about fantastic four character reveals what are your thoughts about that jazz you want to go first 
<sighs> I'm in. But also at the same time, like, really? Pedro Pascal again? Yeah. Like, of all the things he's in, people, like, there are other actors out there. Don't get me wrong, I love him, but, like, come on now. <laughs> so that was my initial reaction, and that's really all I have for it. The character I'm most excited about is uh, the guy from The Bear who's going to play Ben Grimm because the first time Ben Grimm is going to be played by a Jewish actor and is a Jewish character. So I thought that was really cool. Finally, representation that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, you know, like, like one of my friends, Danielle and uh, Sarah pointed out to me, like for a comic book company that has like, you know, so many Jewish artists that are responsible for so many characters, they haven't really done a good job in Jewish representation. Uh, they, nope. you know, I love Moon Knight, but I think they really did not do a good job about that. Um, Wanda dropped the ball on that. Um, so many other characters uh, that they kind of dropped the ball on. And, you know, they and then the one they were about to give us is an Israeli propaganda. So, like, nobody wants that. Even Jewish people themselves are like, this is not the one we want. And they finally get Ben Grimm and they're really happy. And I'm really happy for them. This is awesome. And I'm mm -hmm. excited for that. And I think that's this is probably the character I'm probably the most excited about because I love him on the bear. And I love that there's representation here, too. So it's really cool. Makes sense. Yeah, 100% agreed. Um, the actor Iban, Iban Mas Bakarak, um, yeah, like he seems awesome. Also, both he and Pedro are sign signatories of the Artists for Ceasefire. Yes. So, yeah, so like two, at least two out of the four uh, Fantastic Four are pro Palestine. I will say that Joseph Quinn, you know, many people have been complaining about, you know, why he's cast for Giant Swarm. Also, he signed, unfortunately, the first horrible letter that was in support of Israel. Um, but, you know, hopefully he did that out of, like, you know, ignorance. And like my friend uh, Nadia uh, mentioned to me, um, often a lot of these uh, celebrities, you know, they'll just have signed something off, you know, their desk because they think, like, oh, I got to do it in the moment for the cause. And, like, yeah. hopefully he realized, especially after having pro-Palestine co-stars like Pedro and Ebon, like, you know, realizing like oh israel is actually evil like you know and what they're doing so it's um yeah like uh i'm on the uh whole fantastic uh, vanessa kirby i think she's a great actress um you know i especially like uh <laughs> yeah dell uh, says i'm sorry sorry guys i'm afraid fantastic four is just boring i'm sorry you know dell i kind of like feel you there a bit because like i'm i mean i don't think they're boring i'm just like we've had so many iterations of the fantastic four is fan four like stick, <laughs> stick. Like, don't you dare <laughs> <laughs> like i'm gonna watch it because like again like there are pro palestine stars in this and honestly like that is how i'm going forward with like a lot of the media i'm going to be consciously consuming for example i'm really excited for wicked uh because at least uh two of the stars Bo and yang and um the guy playing Bach, who's, uh, you know, Ariana Grande's boyfriend. And, you know, there was all that stuff. Oh, yeah. But he's, but he's also pro-Palestine. I'm like, I'm in. I also love Wicked. So I'm like, and I love Michelle right. Yeoh. I love Ariana Grande. Cynthia Revo. It looks fantastic. It both looks fantastic. And it has pro-Palestine stars in it. So 
you know, with Fantastic Four, we got pro Palestine stars and, you know, hopefully it'll look really good. And I really do like the director. Um, uh, I forget his name at the moment. Um, like, uh, but you know, he did WandaVision and he's a great director. So, mm. um, I, yeah, I'm excited for that. I guess like also compared to another, uh, MCU film coming out this year, Deadpool <laughs> we talked about like uh, the director Sean Levy um he is like uh, an ardent Zionist and uh he also to my knowledge he did sign the first uh horrible letter I think his tone is modulated better on like the conversation about Palestine well maybe slightly he hasn't really like talked about Palestinian lives he's only talked about like oh, Israelis who have suffered and said the tens of thousands of Palestinians. So it's like, I'm, I don't know. I, I know about Deadpool 3 for me at this point. Like, I mean, I, I know I might still watch it in a critic screening, but like, yeah, but uh, of all the like projects we got like coming out, like I'm, I'm excited for Fantastic Four and Wicked, yeah. Wicked movie. <laughs> looks great. Dude, Wicked, I'm so hyped for like, defying gravity is something i will just belt out on the shower every now and then like i've I've, (laughs) true yeah i've read the book and the book is so much darker than the actual play and the story and it's so dark and i'm really curious if they're going to do like that version of it because i don't know they are definitely the broadway it's definitely the broadway version but i don't know i I think they're doing the broadway version but they're implementing elements of the book which i'm really excited Mm -hmm. for especially as they're making two parts and like John M. Chu, he has a vision. He has like two bangers already with Crazy Rich Asians and um, uh, In the Heights. So, yeah, looking forward to his vision. Yeah. The thing I really like about the Fantastic Four is it does seem like they're going in a very different direction. It looks like it's going to be a 60s period piece, or at least half of it is going to yeah. be in a 60s period piece. So they're going to start off in the 60s. They have Herbie, which is their little computer, which we've never seen in live action, which is really, really cool. Um, is he fully loaded? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> better With be. a Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Oh man, I Lindsay don't know. Lohan it's... is Galactus. Yeah. Oh my God, that'd be so. You know great. what? I would love it. Yeah. I- I'm here for it. Please make this happen. <laughs> that would be amazing. But it's really interesting that it looks like it's going to be part of the 60s because there is a line in Multiverse of Madness where Reed Richards is introduced as the Fantastic Four, and uh, Doctor Strange goes, "Didn't you chart in the 60s?" So like now I'm thinking like was that thrown in there did they knew that the fantastic four would take place in the 60s and then i'm like how is that going to be relevant like is there an actual band called the fantastic four and they're just going to be listening to it while they're like going to space and then there's a time jump and they come back and nobody remembers this band and they just name themselves after this band like <laughs> is that what's going to happen <laughs> you heard it here first because I know. that's that my theory, all theory. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know. I'm I'm excited for it. And the thing is, like, Fantastic Four is the flagship, in my opinion, of the Marvel Universe now because I think they're the ones that are going to... Because, like, no other, like, movie has been able to really get us a handle on the multiverse. Like, we thought it would be Doctor Strange. It really wasn't. Um, you know, the Marvels didn't do much with the multiverse. Loki, yeah, okay, for sure Loki did, but Loki is gone. He is not a character that's going to be used. He's 
you know, doing his thing with the tree now. So like there needs to be a really like big Marvel character that is going to bring everything together. And I think that's going to be fantastic for, I don't think it's going to be Wolverine and Deadpool. I think that's just going to be for shits and giggles. And then that movie's just going to go. Printer. Yeah. I mean, that movie's going to go. I mean, also, I don't think Hugh Jackman wants to play Wolverine anymore. Ryan Reynolds doesn't want to play Deadpool anymore. They kind of just want to hang it up and just go out with a bang. And which, which is fair. I dig that. Um, so they need somebody to really bring in yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So this is the question for me, though, Neebs. Like, So, love Pedro. Also, the guy is pushing 48. So, or yep. pushing 50 at 48. So he'll be Reed Richards, but for a relatively limited time, like in this scape of these uh, superhero universes. And I just like... <coughs> I think at some point they just got to do a full on reboot because I'm not sure, for example, that, you know, they're probably going for young Avengers. Oh, we'll see if they keep doing that uh, based on the box office reception of the Marvels, which I, it's sad for me to say, like, I guess I want Iman to be successful, but yeah, I don't know. You know, facts is facts. So what really is the long-term game? Like, what other characters will they use? How much of the scraping of the bottom of the barrel will they be doing? And this is where, like, you know, I keep beating my drum of, like, being kind of over the super united, you know, superhero universe. Because at some point, it just, like, kind of collapses on itself. I mean, the main culprit here is time which I don't think that Marvel Studios really is going to be able to fully account for. So I'm kind of in favor at this point of, I mean, I think they'll do Secret Wars and maybe that'll lead to some sort of full-on reboot, um, which I would be down for. But I also think that general audiences would be super confused by. And something I really want Disney and Marvel Studios to understand is that like, not everything needs to be an intricately drawn out plan. Everything connects and like I'm I think the general audiences are tired of everything is connected. And I don't think Marvel Studios has fully like gone that memo yet. So I'm hopeful when they can just full on make a reboot and just say that to general audiences and you know, like start over with something new, maybe with like heroes different heroes this time and i don't know like it's like i feel i don't want to like uh diss on you know any more, more than I may have already i didn't mean to though like you know actors already acting in these roles but yeah it's like i don't know how it's gonna go forward in general so my theory is that they're going to uh keep this going until secret wars and what happened is a, a lot of people don't know this, but there are contracts that they actually cannot recast any X-Men until 2025, right? So what I think yeah, is going to happen right. is they're going to use all of these X-Men characters. We already saw Beast. We already saw uh, Professor Xavier. Well, did he? Yeah, no, I think he's dead. But we already, we're going to see uh, mm. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. And I think what's going to happen is we're going to be introduced to the X-Men in Streaker Wars, and then there's going to be a giant reset. And the giant reset isn't going to be a reboot. I think we're still going to have the main MCU, which is the 616 MCU. 
but we're going to get Elseworld stories. So it's going to be like, hey, like it's going to be like what if, but live action, right? But not as terrible is what I'm thinking because <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like you know we have the DCU, which is going to be the new James Gunn universe, but the Matt Reeves universe is still going to exist. The Joker universe is still going to exist, right? So I feel like if they can do something like that. Like instead of a what if story, it's just the same story, but like in a darker tone, in a comedy tone, in a family friendly tone, like, you know, like different genres for these movies. Uh, it, I think that's the way they're going to go. And we might get yeah. to see. Uh, and then I think the X-Men are definitely going to be rebooted. They're not going to we're not going to use these characters. There's no way any of these people are coming back. There are they've played them for way too long. So we'll need a brand new X-Men guest. Yeah. Um. You know, when you say like all these movies are going to happen, like all these different genres, like I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them end up on like Disney Plus as opposed to being in theaters. Sure. Yeah. Like we're going to see a lot of that. And I think Marvel is getting the message that, you know, not everything has to be connected because like in the first three phases of the MCU, right, all the way to Endgame, it wasn't that the movies were always connected, right? It was just introducing one storyline, then another storyline, then maybe a the next movie was, you know, carrying on storyline of the first one. And it was only in very special moments that they all come together. So I think they're realizing that, hey, that's the magic formula. It wasn't everything be connected. It was everything being connected at a very specific time that just brought it all together. And I think they're going back to that. So very excited to see that. But unfortunately, you know, we have characters like uh, Kamala Khan and, you know, they're not going to get a Miss Marvel season two, unfortunately. So... No, it doesn't. Uh, really I don't think we talked about it. on the yeah, podcast, but so. uh, all the shows they're not getting a season two right now. So yeah, yeah. So it is what it is. I would not be surprised if we still get a Young Avengers, but I think they really mm-hmm. need to market the Young Avengers as a family-friendly kids movie and just let all these like fan bros know that hey this movie isn't for you right it's like a spy kids movie or like whatever right it's like a high quality spy kids this is not for you this is for a movie where you can bring your kids to go see this movie there's not going to be any cursing there's not going to be any like foul language the violence is going to be very tame if they promote it like this and set that expectation this could be a really really good movie because kid action movies do well they don't do terrible so it's just the way they would need to market this. I think it would do really, really well. And the fanboys can't complain about it because it's not for them. Yeah, totally. Um, I, you know, like as someone who, you know, in an ideal world still would love to see Miss Marvel start part of the champions rather than young Avengers. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll call them the champions. I don't know. Um, like uh still yeah that's their way to go and you know that's the vibe of like most of these characters and i uh yeah we'll see how that goes neems to your earlier or sorry jazz to your earlier point of um like uh them having stuff on disney plus they definitely will have like some projects on disney plus but i really think they're still going to focus a lot on theaters um I think they've realized that Disney plus in many ways was a mistake that lost them a lot of money. So they're definitely prioritizing theatrical releases. Um, I think they also realized, and I think we especially saw this with the Marvels that you can't, 
can necessarily translate a TV watching audience into a movie going audience. Like, you know, you can't use like WandaVision. And unfortunately, like, you know, Miss Marvel, as good as it was, it didn't, it had some of the lowest ratings for a Disney Plus show, which I blame the marketing for. Disney, do better by your marketing for POC, please. I I blame white people. <laughs> and and and, do, and, yeah. and I think that as a joke, but also like Miss Marvel had the highest rating for people of color for Black, Asian, Hispanic households. It had the highest numbers. So like, what else can you conclude from that other than the fact that white people didn't show up for the show? It is what yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's a sad like. I think it's like that makes me more upset because I do think that this show. And like I've discussed on podcasts, I think I've discussed with you all, like as good as it was, it still diluted things from the source material, specifically in the specific interpersonal racism that Kamala Khan faces, you know, at school, particularly to make a white audience more comfortable. Yeah. But they still didn't show up. So to that, I say Disney marvel stop shying away from these i mean i will say you know it was good at how they did it in terms of like the government um overseeing you know muslim communities which is certainly very relevant for today oh, <laughs> unfortunately yeah. uh, in fact yeah that's probably who's in our viewers right now those two live people they're probably <laughs> our fbi agent and our cia agent <laughs> oh my god no but no but like yeah i i still think like you know in terms of the interpersonal nature of it that would have like white viewers at home actually confront themselves this is why i loved american born chinese so much fantastic one of the best series on disney plus and then they canceled it i'm of course so did. mad so yeah. mad one of the best series they had oh god just ah. I, <laughs> I, I, I hate disney execs like they I, i'm sorry i don't mean it for maria hate, she's amazing rather like yes yes absolutely sorry i'm let me rephrase my words. I am extremely frustrated with Disney execs and just like, please do better, please. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of which, uh, get rid of this six episode limit thing because that is also terrible. Uh, so we definitely don't want that anymore. But listen, as bad as Disney execs are, at least they're not Sony execs because like Amy Pascal is now like, oh, after two movies, we're going to make a Miles Morales movie. And I'm like, no, you don't touch Miles Morales. Please do not touch Miles Morales. <laughs> I was like, if anyone's going to do that, let it be the Spider-Verse people because I don't have any um, faith in Amy Pascal when it comes to that. And like I say that. Like, not if, like, oh, like, you know how, like, Kathleen Kennedy haters are? I'm not trying to be like that. They leaked. Her emails, like I've read her leaked emails when Sony hacked them. Sony got hacked by Korea, and like some of the stuff she was mentioning and suggesting was so dumb. It's like she's never read a comic book in her life, let alone a Spider-Man comic book, and it just scares the crap out of me. And I was just like, "Wow, those emails were embarrassing." Yeah, I mean, are you surprised? Yeah, I'm no. surprised. Like, it's someone head of a studio He's and an you're executive at Sony, though. Like, and your biggest IP is Spider Man, and you don't know anything about Spider Man? No, you do your course. research. You no, do dude, your people research. fail upwards in corporate world all the time. Like, we have some of the dumbest people running companies and, quite frankly, our government, too, while we're at it. Like, I, I don't, I don't fail upwards. <laughs> I, I know people do that all the time, but I feel like there should be an expectation for you to research your IP. And, sure, and yeah. learn about That's it. Kevin Feige's world. done it. Kevin Feige's done it. Kathleen mm-hmm. Kennedy, like as much as people hate her, she knows Star Wars. 
Yeah, he was taught by George Lucas. Like, you know, like it's one of those things. And I I really think that by and large across all these companies, the ultimate thing is they need to slow down, which thankfully Marvel Studios is starting to do. Yeah. uh, Which Star Wars has started to do, although like I would really appreciate if Star Wars stops announcing stuff before if they ultimately cancel it. I'm still worried about Charmino Bechanoi's movie. I hope it still yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, like uh, the ultimate problem, the ultimate culprit, as always, is capitalism. Yeah, is making this. What's new? And I mentioned this on a podcast, another podcast I was on earlier, that we have this industrial complex of these genre movies that just keep coming down the pipeline no matter what their quality is well that's because disney plus is this giant thing that Mm -hmm. they need to make successful and they need content for disney plus they don't care if it's good they don't care if it's bad they need content and Mm -hmm. like it's supposed to be their netflix but it's really hurting them quite a bit and i think you mentioned that earlier yeah I think across the board, like you're right, names like all these companies, they have access to some sort of streaming service or another, and they just like want to keep pumping content onto it. And that's just damaging for, you know, the, for the uh, public, for, I mean, the viewing audience, for the artists, although thankfully with the writers and actors strike, at least they're getting better residuals, but yeah, yeah, they just like, I don't know, man. It's still like a very scary time for wanting to make art in this um, industry. And I really hope that something's got to give sooner or later. We'll have the TV version of A24 Studios come out. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bless A24. Yeah, unless AI starts uh, pumping out movies for these freaking nope. studios. Nope. Nope, I veto it. I rebuke yeah. it. <laughs> Absolutely rebuke it. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's all we have for this episode. Uh, Swara, thank you so much for being on here. We talked about a lot of things, a lot more things than I was expecting mm-hmm. to talk about. So it was a good conversation. Always fun talking with you. Always love to have you on. Uh, let people know where they can find you. Well, thank you so much, my friend. Um, before I uh, talk about where y'all can find me, I have an announcement. Um, and... I want uh thank you to Salam Nerds audience for listening to me ramble on. And if you enjoyed what I said, first off, you might want to check out my podcast, The Middle Geeks, where we discuss anything and everything in Southwest Asian and North African Swana media. And if you're in the DC area or you're coming to the DC area for Awesome Con, which is this um, March 8th through 10th, we the Middle Geeks, along with our friends, will have a panel on Swana representation in pop culture Yo! on March 9th. Woo-woo! It'll be from 2.30 to 3.15 on March 9th. That's a Saturday. We got the Saturday slot right after lunch. So grateful for that. And we're going to be in room 207B. So this is Awesome Con uh, at the Walter E. Convention Center in Washington, D.C., uh, 2.30 to 3.15 at uh, room 207B. So please come check us out. Come listen to six uh, Swana artists, podcasters, actors talk about our experiences and talk about the state of Swana representation in pop culture. We'll have a Q&A session. It's sure to be a great time. And yeah, let's 
be out there repping and uh, speaking up for Swana peoples, especially in this like horrible moment. Let's especially speak up for Palestinians. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, y'all can find me there. You can find me on social media anywhere at Spider Swars. And um, yeah, like uh, you can check out some of my writing at The New Era, at io9, Nerds of Color, but why though? And other websites. So yeah. What Very a start cool. to Ramadan. I love it. I know. Yeah, what a way to start Ramadan. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, I'll try to make it and see if I can. I'll look at my schedule. That'll be awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, salam, nerds. Peace.